0: Woo! The Golden Stallion, the Man of Tomorrow, Savzu, the Rated R Radio Star is here, uh, back in the BDSM studios, and oh boy, or it's not plural; <laughs> it's only one studio. Of course, that's Brian's Dungeon of Sex and Magic. Not to say that I I, I practice or engage in either, but well, wait, who am I kidding? <laughs> Anyway, we're back at it with, uh, something, boy, it feels like it's been a long while, but in all actuality, it hasn't. Uh, this past July of 2018, of course, now we're in January of 2019, but in July of 2018, a, uh, well, as I've done many times on Sovereign Tech, uh, I review the DC animated superhero films, um, and there is a larger, within that really, there is a larger DC animated movie universe, which now comprises of 12 films, and we are going to review the 12th, but in July we did review the 11th, which was a direct uh, and not, not prequel, but this movie is a direct sequel to the movie that came out in July. Now, in July, uh, DC, what would it be, DC UA? I don't know. Um, I mean, there's, there's a, there's like 30 some odd of actual DC animated films, but there's a specific universe that kind of plays within the new 52, which, uh, often will update classic stories that occurred, much of which is happening here. Um, and within those, there are, I think, specifically 12. But anyway, so within, uh, yeah, I, I've reviewed these movies many times over the years, and I am a big fan. And as I've said many times that the DC animated universe, if you were to count that as films, and they are, I mean, most of them are a good hour and a half or, or you know, and change uh, where they do match up to the length of a full on live action Marvel film. Um, if we counted these as like a genuine universe. Kind of like the Marvel, you know, kind of like the Marvel Cinematic Universe or Marvel. Yeah, whatever they call that, (laughs) the MCU or the the MCE or is it the DCEU? Uh, All these terms just get crazy. Anyway, if this were if these were counted as their own theatrical universe uh, they would blow Marvel out of the water I've said that every single time and these movies have failed to disappoint Um, DC well even though with Aquaman which I reviewed on a recent Sovereign Tech uh, with Aquaman Aquaman was a phenomenal film uh, can easily stand toe-to-toe not only actual story effects and everything else wise not only movie wise production wise but uh, and, and certainly budget but as far as like what it's raked in, in the box office, it can stand toe to toe with any Marvel film, um, which I couldn't be happier about. Cause I like to see Marvel get a good kick in the fucking pants and you know, <laughs> sorry, that was a little, Ooh, uh, I am. Okay. I love all comic books. Marvel. Uh, <laughs> I just don't think it deserves, uh, necessarily the, um, The honors uh, that it gets today is it's just it's fucking madness. Anyway, the DC Animated Universe is as great as any comic book production going today, if not better and the best, uh, hands down. In fact, something I didn't talk about that, boy, I would have loved to have seen something of within uh, the Aquaman movie, uh, a recent DC Animated Universe film uh, that I believe I also reviewed was uh, Throne of Atlantis, which was an Aquaman film, but man, that was so hot because you had Wonder Woman and Aquaman getting it on. Oh, that was good. That was good. You know, and then, well, anyway, that was all in an alternate universe. But regardless of that, um, we are going to review Reign of the Superman, which again is a sequel to July 2018's Death of Superman. Now, this is the ending of the story, which leads itself to. Okay, I'll say it right out front: it is not without problems. Not that it's bad; it's just. There's opportunities missed. It is not without problems, but Reign of the Superman was great. It was a great film. Uh, laughed my ass off a bunch of times, which is far more than I can usually say in any Marvel film. I do not laugh. Like, the jokes just don't always work as well in Marvel films. Um, I, well, I laughed a little bit with Venom, but... Anyway, I, I think that part of that was just the amazement of seeing Venom on the screen. Now, grant you, it is amazing to see the death of Superman storyline, which is a classic storyline that ran between like 92 and well, it went on for a while. So as far as when it actually ended, we'll, we'll say 92 to 93. They really went into 94 a bit. Um, I, I think that storyline basically came to an end when we got the uh, Superman and Lois Lane wedding, which was was that 94? I'm pretty sure. Or maybe, maybe better yet, it really ended with the death of Hal Jordan, which is going to point at one of the problems with uh, uh, with this film but i I really enjoyed this. It was really great uh, it was not as it was not as well done as death of Superman, and it felt it did feel a little rushed because so well let 's talk about this again the the classic let me break down what happened back, so starting with Oh boy, it was like Superman, or it was one? It was actually, I think, it was an issue of Action Comics, but Superman seventy-five back in a uh, ninety-two. Uh, everybody remembers it—the classic, you know, panel comic book panel where Lois Lane is holding a dead Superman. Everybody remembers that capes flittering in the breeze. You know, it's it's really it's it's quite a shocking scene, uh, and it was a big deal. Now, grant you. As I have pointed out many times, any time that I've talked about the death of Superman storyline, or maybe what could be called the death and return of Superman storyline, this was huge. I mean, you know, it was a massive storyline. But really, Superman had died many times, even you know, over the previous ten years to 1992. I mean, he died like a couple times a year. Uh, like, really died, you know, and would come back in whatever fashion. Um, but this was just, there was so much marketing hype around this, and it was really so well done. Uh, and, and there was and the aftermath was so engaging that this became one of the classic right up there with Crisis on Infinite on Infinity Earths uh, or, or Infinite Earths um, right up there with, of course, Nightfall would come after that Batman's Nightfall, uh, you know, and, and a bunch of other ones. And, you know, Watchmen. I mean, this is one of the biggest events in comic book history that is getting, you know, put to uh, to animated celluloid. So if I think of it, I'll link to my review of the first movie in this duology it's not a trilogy Uh, but I'll link to my review of Death of Superman if you want to hear that first where I talk about a lot of this stuff uh, but anyway, that was that movie was fantastic. Like they really, really delivered that. And much like that one, this is it's not a panel for panel rendition, you know, and also they have updated it quite a bit to where I mean, you know, in this movie in Reign of the Supermen, which is the one we're reviewing now, which came out, I think, officially January 15th, 2019. So very fresh. Um Like Perry White in it, you know, chief of uh, uh, or chief editor at the Daily Planet, like he's talking about tweets, you know, he's talking about Twitter and everything. So this is not a, again, a direct uh, presentation uh, as if it were 1992 all over again. Okay, this is taking place. It's updated and refreshed uh, for today, which I don't mind that so much. Okay, but I do mind a lot of what was taken out and something to understand with this is that really the death and return of superman storyline was an act in three parts you really had a, you had a trilogy of of storylines uh, going on here and and again the ramifications of the storyline were massive and we'll get into those Um, that that, I mean very far reaching and and this this duology really skips over all that and just gives you sort of the short version Um, it's kind of like it's almost like looking at the synoptic Gospels right (laughs) and this is like Mark okay where it's the shortest one you can read it in a couple hours or something and it doesn't have all the extra but maybe very interesting shit like say the Gospel of Matthew would right where you know oh actually Jesus wasn't the only one that raised you know that 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 was resurrected that came back from the dead actually there was a bunch of people that came back from the dead and amazingly nobody in roman history fucking talked about that that a bunch of people as it clearly says in the book of matthew a bunch of people were resurrected that day not just christ the dead were rising and talking to people and you know singing hallelujah and walking through the streets how the fuck did nobody talk about that you know such an incredible event it's almost like it didn't happen oh sorry uh got a little ahead of myself there Anyway, this is a very abridged version of the Death and Return of Superman storyline, uh, because originally you had, you know, you had where Doomsday comes in and ends up killing Superman, right? And that's the death of Superman. That's that whole storyline. Then you would have the reign of the Superman. Um, now, they they may rename these three acts, different things. Like, I think today, if you bought a collected edition of it, the, the middle act, which is what the title of this movie is referencing reign of the supermen where there are like replacements for superman who some are claiming to be superman some not uh you know maybe they'll call it world without superman i think so there's a bunch of different names for this stuff but you know the story is more or less the same but then you would get the third part which is the return of superman and that third part is what gets really glossed over with this even though you end up effectively with the with the same uh, end game but there are some very strange additions that happen uh, additions okay as an adding uh, that happen within this like doomsday becomes a part of the storyline uh, or not I'm sorry not doomsday dark side from uh, you know apocalypse he he ends up becoming a part of the storyline which was a weird addition and like uh, cyborg superman ends up creating a uh, a robot or a cyborg a cyber justice league. I mean, it, it, a lot of very odd additions and the problem. And I don't mind if they want to add shit in like when they did, um, when they did the killing joke, okay. When they made an animated film out of the killing joke, I love the additions of Batgirl fucking Batman. Like, you know, literally having sex and having kind of this wild relationship. Um, I know that all the critics complained about it. I thought it was fucking hot as hell and it was wonderful. Um, I, I completely approve of that addition. But this movie puts in a lot of things that are fine, you know, bringing in Darkseid. That's a nice angle. I can I can dig that. But they removed a lot of things and or they didn't cover a lot of things that honestly were were lacking and were missing because they are some of the most memorable moments of the death and return of Superman storyline. In fact, even the way that they don't exactly explain how Superman even gets his powers back in this, um, the way that it happened in the original comic books was incredible, okay? But anyway, we'll talk about that in a minute. So Reign of the Superman, Superman's dead, that's how this opens up, and you're getting introduced to four characters, each of who are kind of claiming to be Superman. Um, You have, or kind of, you have Superboy, or who, you know, who claims to be Superman, but is actually a clone created by Lex Luthor. And folks, look, there, there's no real spoiler. I mean, I could say spoiler alerts, but for fuck's sake, the comic book's been out forever. Everybody knows the fucking story. You know, like they they waste no time because the other Superman. So you have Superboy created by Lex Luthor, who's a clone of Superman that, you know, had to get released early or whatever. Um, they did a really great job with that character in this. So I was very pleased with that, uh, including they, they made it so that he would talk like with his kind of 90s edge because... because... Because the story was originally in the 90s and Superboy was supposed to be the hip, cool character. Uh, And so he'd say things like funky fresh. He says things like funky fresh in this, but they explain it by the fact that he was watching 90s sitcoms or something like while he was, I guess, incubating in a tank at Luther Corp. Okay. so whatever that, that that works. Okay, it was fine. Um Anyway, you get, so then you, you know, you meet Cyborg Superman, who looks like this half man, half, or, you know, half Kryptonian, supposedly half machine. Um, They very quickly tell you that that's Hank Henshaw when that was a long reveal for, well, let me, let me introduce the other characters and explain that. But anyway, they, they do, you know, they, they know, they know, you know the the deal. Like anybody probably that's watching this has a very good idea of how this storyline went down. There's no need to make it a secret. Okay? They don't waste time, you know, telling you when when that Superboy is a clone, okay? Like I mean they really don't waste time with that. Uh they did, you know, speaking of that. Oh boy, all the things I let let me do this in order. Uh Steel, of course you have Steel, who Didn't never really in the comic books claim to be Superman originally, but some people wondered about it, certainly when they were building up to the reign of the Superman storyline getting released. Um, there was conversation that maybe he's that that guy, you know, maybe that's Superman. Uh, but you find out pretty quickly that it's not. Uh, Steel is, out of the out of the four, Steel is probably my favorite character to come out of out of the reign of the Superman. Um, even though, I, actually I love the character of Guardian, but he got no play in Death of Superman, completely missing from that. And also no play in the reign of the Superman, which is a real shame. Uh, but regardless of that, Guardian was, didn't never claim to be Superman. It's not Superman. He's a regular human being with a pretty funky shield. Uh, it kind of sounds like Captain America. America but no it's way cooler. Um, and then you have uh, you have the eradicator who you don't originally like in the comic books you didn't know that it was the Eradicator you thought I mean a lot of people thought it, it was Superman it wasn't until later on that you find out that it's the Eradicator and you find out the Eradicator was created by Superman's great grand or grandfather who created the program to protect Kryptonian life and so that's more or less what it's doing within this film and within the comic book storyline even though originally Eradicator was a villain you know when Superman dies it realizes its programming was flawed uh, and it failed after. Protecting Kryptonian life, and so it becomes Superman. Um, it is far more robotic in this movie, the Eradicator is. In fact, I think they even call it a hologram. Uh, it's far more robotic as to where, you know, the Eradicator in the comic books acted very human, and you really, you actually thought he was Superman. He just, the only thing that was weird about him is he had a visor on and everything, but otherwise he looked exactly like Superman. Not so in the animated film, regardless of that. So you had these four supermen. Now, again, in the comic book storyline, Reign of the Superman, not the movie, but the comic books, uh, yeah, there was a lot of questions like, wait, is Superboy some kind of like rebirthed Superman? Um, is... Is the cyborg Superman? Is that actually Superman enhanced with Kryptonian technology? Is the Eradicator actually Superman? But he seems really violent. What's the deal with that? You know, like is Superman pissed off that he got offed? You know what? What's the score there? And again, with Steel, you found out pretty quick that that was John Henry Irons, right? Uh, and and that's fine. You know, I mean, because as soon as he takes it off, I mean, he's black and whatever. I, I mean, I'm all about a black Superman. I really am. Actually, like I said, Steel's one of my, actually Steel's one of my favorite. Characters within the Superman family and within DC Comics overall, um, I really, really always dug that suit, the cape, the hammer, the whole thing. I really thought it was so cool. Uh, so, you know, I'm not knocking that at all, not not even by a long shot. Uh, anyway, so you don't really... It's kind of disappointing that there isn't a whole lot of play, other than maybe with Eradicator and Hank Henshaw, even though, again, it doesn't take long for them to clarify what's going on. Um, You know, there's no play on the fact that, oh, you know, these might actually or one of these guys might actually be Superman reborn. You know, they they don't play on that at all Uh, a little bit. There's a moment between Cyborg Superman and Lois Lane. But it's again, it's all very, very abridged because this is a movie that clocks in at about an hour and a half, and really the whole first hour is Reign of Superman, and then you get thirty minutes at the end that is more or less the return of Superman, Superman storyline within it, and the Justice League play a pretty heavy role in this more so than they did in the actual. I mean, they were certainly a big part of the Reign of Superman storyline, but you know, like they're they're a lot bigger. In this, a lot bigger. Uh, though there's some great moments between Wonder Woman and Lois Lane, uh, where actually, I mean, it, it almost looked like it was going to turn into a triad or something. I was like, you know, between her and Superman and everything. Uh, of course, Superman does come back. You find out that Superman was incubating in the Fortress of Solitude, um, not like Superboy. But that he was incubating, and when he comes out, he has the black suit on, he has the long hair, even has a little bit of a beard, very much making him look like Jesus. Uh, He didn't have the beard in the comic books, but he did have the long hair, and Superman would have long hair for a while, pretty much up until, uh, well, I guess the wedding, maybe they fixed that. But when he became Electric Superman, they certainly made sure that was gone. Um, They unfortunately didn't give, you know, with his black suit, he classically had the uh, like jetpack boots. Um, They didn't give him those. Instead, he actually flies his old Kryptonian ship that he arrived in as a baby. That was kind of interesting uh, that he uses that. But that's all part of the changes made, you know, with this movie as compared to the comic books. Again, I don't expect fidelity to the comic books, but here's the thing is that. You know, as you find out that Hank Henshaw is really a bad dude, and you don't find out until much later, um, Hank Henshaw creates like this machine city. Okay, as we're in the in the movie Reign of the Superman, he ends up making like a, a a watchtower, space state watchtower. You know, like the Justice League base. He makes one, or you know, he more more or less commandeers one in space and everything. Um, and w- with him not, what he, he made the machine city at Coast City, which is where Hal Jordan comes from. And Hal Jordan's in this movie, and Nathan Fillon does a great job, and he's fucking hilarious as always. One of my favorite comic book characters of all time. Uh, You know, the Green Lantern. And when he, when Hank Henshaw, the cyborg Superman, makes his machine city on top of Coast City, destroying Coast City, Hal Jordan goes nuts. And this is what leads very much to Hal Jordan becoming Parallax, which was this Wildly popular, or I mean, well, a popular character, but a wildly popular villain. Um, because he would i mean and eventually hal jordan would again he, you know he would die they would have a, a death of hal jordan um a comic that would that was a, that was a major major deal uh but parallax would would be a real threat uh to the justice league and you know pretty much the entire dc universe we're talking about a you know like just a, a cr- really crazy powerful hal jordan who has a you know Who's a villain now, has a very serious mean mean streak. And it made sense. And it was an epic tell, you know, it was a very, very emotional telling, um, especially for comic books, and especially, you know, quote unquote for kids, um, that here, you know, you have Hal Jordan's hometown get wiped out by this guy who was claiming to be Superman, you know, that being Hank Henshaw, uh Cyborg Superman, and of course he's going to go nuts after that. And he's going to go, well, fuck this. I'm going to become so powerful that, you know, nothing's going to be able to stop me and I'll be able to res- resurrect Coast City. Because that's what Hal Jordan does after Hank Henshaw destroys his hometown, is he goes to the Guardians of Oa, you know, the Guardians for the Green Lantern Corps, and he says, you know, hey, let's re- we can do this. We have the power. We can rebuild Coast City. We should do that. And the Guardians say no. And Hal Jordan just, you know, again, he snaps and he, you know, starts wiping out green lanterns and everything. I mean, it's it's a badass storyline, but you get none of that in this whatsoever. And again, the movie itself, Reign of the Superman, is is great. It's actually really well done. But these storylines that were set up during more specifically, not during Reign of the Superman, but more during a Return of the Superman, uh, uh, you know, part of the story. To, to not have it like to not have those there is it's a lost opportunity because it's an epic fucking story and it kind it sort of makes me feel even though D, the DC animated universe has done a fine job um, with you know with building up villains compelling villains as to where Marvel completely fails as far as villains go uh, like I, I mean you know they just they can't make a great villain to save their life. Uh, You know, which is part of the reason why those movies suck so bad. But anyway, I just felt like, you know, here was your chance to really have a great villain. But the thing is, is that I think it would be a villain where it all just made a little too much sense why he was doing what he did. And then the kids would end up liking him, Uh, because I know certainly that's how I felt is I liked Parallax. I thought Parallax was badass, you know, when Hal Jordan became that. And. I liked him I liked him more than I liked the heroes and I think that's something that for whatever reason by and large the comic book industry is trying to stay away from and I don't know why I don't know what the fear is with that because obviously over the decades in the in the comic books themselves the physical comic books They've been able to create tremendous villains, you know, that that are as more interesting or just as powerful, just as engaging as any of the heroes. So I don't get what's behind that when it comes to taking these things to film animated or otherwise. But this really was a missed opportunity, you know, to get into some of those other storylines. And there's other things that happen around the death of Superman um, that are that are massive and and just have like, you know, ramifications that would go on for years in the comic books. So, again, to not touch on that. What a shame. What a waste to to not even like lay hints for some of that stuff to happen. I I was that's the part that disappointed me now. That said, OK, you know, just the fact that they didn't take advantage of more buildup with the four Superman, um, they didn't they rushed the return of Superman significantly uh, to where, like, he gets his power back within a few days as to where really I mean, not even that really. As to where within uh, the comic books, you know, you had well, how it actually happened was, is during the attack on the Machine City, that cyborg Superman slash Hank Henshaw creates over Coast City, uh, he blasts like the Eradicator sacrifices himself. This kind of happens in the movie. OK, but the Eradicator sacrifices himself, jumps in front of Superman from getting blasted by this, like, just massive hunk of kryptonite, a kryptonite gas, effectively. And so when that happens, Eradicator's body, like all the Kryptonian power within it, transfers like a rainbow. You see it right on the panel. I'll never forget it. It as an amazing issue of Superman, you know, transfers right back onto, you know, onto the actual Superman, onto kal And the Eradicator dies, for at least for a while. Uh, you know, the Eradicator dies because of it, and it's just like this empty husk. But then suddenly, oh, shit, Superman's got his powers back, and he goes, yeah, I mean, you know, he just goes ass-crazy on, on Hank Henshaw. Uh, and it's a great moment. It's awesome. And, you know, I'll never forget the double panel. When he comes back, he has the suit on, the whole thing. It's it's just, it's great. Uh, you don't get that powerful of an event. You don't get that sacrifice from the Eradicator, again, which was another powerful story because the Eradicator originally was a villain. You get none of that background in this movie. So there's there's just so much missing that was really, really emotional, tragic, epic that existed within the comic book series uh, or within the. I mean, and granted, it took place across Justice League comics, across all the Superman titles that existed at the time, you know, Man of Steel and all. That. I mean, there were four superman comics at the time and each superman you know during this reign of the superman line in the comic books back in 92 93 uh each superman got to take over one of the titles it was such a brilliant fucking move and such great writing it was oh man it was so well done so for this movie to rush it i mean if they did another film what they they should have done a trilogy is my point okay especially if you have july to january what do you got there some odd six months barely just just do the third movie in six months. It would have been great. I don't know why DC was scared of, of doing a trilogy with this. They should have because they rushed it way too much um, in this film. Or Not that they rushed it. What they presented had fine pacing and timing. But compared to what the storyline originally was, it was rushed. And, and, again, that's just a shame. So, anyway, to talk about the movie, I don't want this review to go too long. But to talk about the movie itself, uh, you have all of the same uh, voice actors from... You know, from uh, Death of Superman, from back in July of 2018, uh, and they all do a great job. Jerry O'Connell's phenomenal as Superman uh, once again, and uh, Rebecca Remain she is fantastic as Lois Lane. Uh, Ryan Wilson, goddamn, is this guy multi-talented or what? What a what a fucking sweetheart he is. He makes Lex Luthor so cool. You know, I mean he really does. He just delivers and and every like everything Lex Luthor says has just such sass to it. And 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 you can feel like you you can get the sense of his his feeling of superiority over everybody else and his uh almost his impatience and yet at the same time it's humorous when he does it because you know I don't know, Ryan Wilson, he just his voice is, is tremendous. I mean he's a great actor too. Uh of course if, if anyone saw the recent short track where he reprised his role as Harry Mudd, oh that was that was dynamite. I think that was the best short track. But we'll talk about that during the Star Trek update um later on in the month of uh, January twenty nineteen here. Uh but again, yeah, all the voice actors were were totally on. Tony Todd. This was this surprised me as soon as I heard Darkseid talking. And Tony Todd was doing the voice. Usually Darkseid talks with almost like Darth Vader, where it's this very, very deep voice, um, which works for the character. But to have Tony Todd do it gave it such an air of menace. Um, If you don't know Tony Todd, he's done... Well, he's been kind of like a hero. Uh he's a Black guy. He's he, he's been in so many uh films and done so much so much voice work. You'll you'll instantly know who he is when you when you see him. Um but he's done great villains in movies, he's done great heroes. In fact, I I mean speaking of Star Trek, honestly, where most people would probably remember him was as um as kern Worf's brother in star trek the next generation which he did a tremendous job as uh, just a great actor and man i thought his his interpretation of dark side uh you know voice wise was just right on the nose i mean it, it was it was so solid um in fact a lot of people don't remember speaking you know kind of connecting the dots um one, what I think is actually the greatest thing that, that DC animation uh, has really produced, of course, from the wheelhouse of Bruce Tim. no, not Batman the Animated Series, and I've said this a lot, Superman the Animated Series, which was kind of a sequel show to Batman the Animated Series back in the day, uh, I thought was a brilliant show and was far more epic and and, and exciting than I think even Batman the Animated Series uh, Steel was in that. There was a point where Steel comes into into play in that, and he, he was such a great character. But I don't think a lot of people remember the guy that voiced Steel. Now, in in this movie, it was uh, oh boy, what's his name, Cress Williams, I think, who did a great job. Um, but in the in Superman the Animated Series, Michael Dorn did the voice of Steel, which of course was. You know, Worf. Um, so that's kind of interesting to have Kern now, in, if, if, you know, officially. Uh, not that Superman the Animated Series is connected to the 12 DCAU films, um, but yeah, it's cool to have them in kind of in the same universe a bit. Uh, it would have been great. I would have loved it if they and I don't know why they didn't. Maybe Michael Dorn just refused. I think it would have been tremendous to have Michael Dorn reprise his voice role as Steel in this movie and to have, you know, and then to have uh, uh, Tony Todd doing Dark Side. Oh, that could have been really cool. You know, so anyway, missed opportunity, but not a huge deal. Um, Sam Liu, who's done a few of the DCAU films, uh, did the direction here. His direction is as it has been, was fully on display and very well done. Uh, Frederick Weidman did the music, who he's also done a lot of the music for different DCAU films. There's nothing terribly, like, exciting or engaging in this movie, but it's completely serviceable, you know, and... I kind of got to the point, I'll admit this, I got to the point with movies, animated, cinematic, whatever, uh, live action, you name it. I got to the point where I'm like, yeah, you know, you really can't do like an unserviceable score anymore. Like, like they figured it out how to make music that just works for the film and sits in the background nicely. Even if it's something that even if it isn't something that's really stirring. Um, but and so for a while I was thinking, oh, you know, I don't really have to mention the music anymore unless it's a real standout. But no, now I think I need to continue to say when the music is just serviceable, because I finally saw a movie in twenty eighteen where the music was completely unserviceable. The music was a detraction. It was fucking horrendous. And that music is for solo a Star Wars story. Um, I was so, so unimpressed. And it really like it hurt the movie, that score. Oh, that was bad. So it's important to even mention just when a score is uh, is serviceable. Um Anyway, so Fre- Frederick Weidman did a great job um, there. There's there's nothing technically wrong with this movie at all. Um, again, it was a very funny film, uh, much to Nathan Fillon's portrayal of Hal Jordan, the Green Lantern, uh, and it is just, he's a damned riot. Um, you know, Batman, Flat- the whole Justice League are cracking jokes right and left. Um, great moments between, again, between uh, one- Diana you know, and, and Lois Lane, of course, Wonder Woman and Lois Lane, uh, that really worked. Um, Jerry, o- Like I said, Jerry O'Connell does a great Superman, which I, I have the hardest time believing that he is voicing superman but he's done it again and and did very very well uh so yeah nothing really to complain on that front it it came together it worked it's an enjoyable movie it's a it's a really like that i had high hopes for this film because i knew how much happened during the reign of the superman storyline um and I was disappointed when I found out, I, I mean, I was hopeful for it, but then as soon as I found out this was, you know, they weren't going to do a third film within this storyline, I was like, oh, shit, they're going to rush this. This is going to go too fast. They're not going to get everything in. But I kind of hoped they'd still be able to. Uh, but again, they didn't. There was so much that happened within the Death and Return of Superman storyline. It is a pity. Maybe they'll touch on it again in the future. I, I don't know. You know, I mean, it's it's possible, but. The way they changed things up, adding in Darkseid as kind of a primary villain behind this and a thrust behind what was, you know, uh, behind Doomsday, which that gets made explicit in this as well. All of that just made it I don't know. It, it made it kind of disappointing. But I thought the way that they more or less the way that they treated um, the four Supermen, other than the eradicator, they changed that a little too much. Um, but I, what they did with Superboy was great, uh, though. OK, I was going to mention this earlier. Another thing that they dropped the ball on is at the time when Reign of the Superman happened, people thought Lex Luthor was dead. And his son, who was just called Lex Luthor II, more or less, or Alexander, was actually running Luther Corp or Lex Corp and thought that, it, yeah, because Luthor Corp, that was That was with uh, Smallville, right? With the show Smallville. Anyway, uh, you know, everybody thought that it was his son that was running the show. And that was a really interesting storyline in and of itself. There were so many storylines getting weaved within the whole Death and Return of Superman, uh, uh, you know, whatever series. And that wasn't a part of this, even though what would end up happening down the line is that people would find out that Lex Luthor II was really just a clone of Lex Luthor, just like Superboy was a clone of Superman. Um, And, of course, in this movie they make it explicit that it was not just a clone of Superman, but he was also given the brains of Lex Luthor, which maybe they'd do something interesting with that. Uh, Anyway, yeah, I mean, just, again, a lot of missed opportunities. So many storylines that could have gotten weaved into this. I, I have a hard time believing It it very much feels like they've got this animation. They've got the great voice actors. They've got all this down pat to where it can't take that long to make these movies. And the writing's good. Okay, I mean, the writing. In fact, it's not just good. The writing's great. And the lines land. And, you know, the, the jokes land. Everything works. But there's no way they couldn't produce this on a more regular schedule. Like, there's no reason you couldn't do 10 of these movies a year. Now, you could say people would get sick of it, sure. But when you're dealing with, shall we say, holy ground, Highlander, okay, like the Death and Return of Superman storyline... You got to do that one right and take the time because there's so much going on at that. And that's why that was such a big story. That's why it worked. That's why it sold so much, because it wasn't just the death of Superman that was happening. There was a whole lot more getting weaved in. Of course, eventually, you know, there's the corruption of, you know, of Hal Jordan. There's, you know, into Parallax. There's all these different things going on. You find out what the Guardian's doing or what Guardian, not the Guardian is, and like the Green Lantern Corps Guardians. Um there's just a lot there that, again, we missed. So, you know, I'm, if I was going to give it out of 10, um, I, I'd give it a good, a good 8. Eight out of ten. I mean, it it, it really works like it it delivers. And Lois Lane is great in it, especially. Um, I'm really pleased at how much action they gave her in this. She very much saves the day in a very real way. Um, They hit most of the high notes, a lot of the high notes. But there's just some under a lot of underlying stuff that they and a lot of threads that they didn't even touch. Um, But, you know, I'm not going to hold that against it. Okay. Uh, So just on its own, if you didn't have that knowledge, if you never read that story, if you never read Death and Return of Superman or like the collected volumes of it from ninety two and ninety three, this movie is going to absolutely be an eight out of ten. So I'll give it that Um, if I wanted to count what they didn't put into it against it. Oh, fuck, I'd probably give it a six, you know, because of all the missed opportunities at, at just intense drama, you know, high drama uh, that they could have had in this, that, that just wasn't there. God damn it. Um, I don't know if they're ever going to, I mean, now that DC is doing rebirth, I, I can't even really keep track of, of what the fuck DC is doing anymore anyway. Uh, which is part of the reason that I really enjoy these movies because it gives you, I mean the DC AU and, and who knows what the hell's happening with the cinematic universe, right? Like Aquaman could be its own universe. So could wonder woman. They don't even have to attach them anymore. Um, In fact, it's almost insulting just how... How well the Justice League gels in the DCAU compared to, you know, the flop that the Justice League movie was, uh, what was that, a couple of years ago now in theaters, you know, the live action one and everything, even when you put those characters separate and, oh, you get tremendous movies, Man of Steel, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, uh, and, and and so on. It's 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 really, I mean, it. I don't know why, you know, just get the fucking writers from the DCAU and, and put them in charge of the live action universe DC for fuck's sake. But the DCAU and really the Injustice uh, comic series, which takes place in an alternate universe of DC, those are the main things of DC that I consume today because the whatever they're calling the primary universe of dc just doesn't make any sense anymore like I, I i just i don't get exactly what the fuck they're doing and I, I i want to you know action comics 1000 should have been this huge event but like i can't keep track i don't know what's happened and what hasn't so i just stick to the injustice comics and well i do like i like some like gotham girls is good or, or gotham city garage not gotham girls gotham city garage is great um and bombshells you know those kind of alternate universes that they deal in not necessarily else worlds but actual alternate universes uh, are are tremendous in dc really shines um, in those, much like Marvel did with the Ultimate X-Men and Ultimate Spider-Man and so on, which were so solid back in the in the late 90s and early aughts, and boy, fuck were they, or Ultimate Fantastic Four. That was one of the best comic runs ever, in my opinion, uh, but Ultimate Spider-Man was definitely taking the cake back then. I was enjoying Spider-Man at the time. Um, anyway, so... Yeah, there you have it. Reign of the Superman. Yeah, I give it an eight out of ten. You know, just just on its own merits. Uh, as far as you know what it's missing, I and it's missing a lot. I would count off a lot for it. But again, I don't hold these comic book movies to any kind of fidelity anymore because they don't care. You know, <laughs> they're just trying to get. They're not looking to appease comic book fans anymore. They're just trying to really get the lowest common denominator to watch this shit. So with comic book movies movies in general, Marvel's more egregious than DC, but certainly all of them are doing it. Uh, I expect no fidelity, you know, to where it has any, any, uh, it really pays any serious attention to the source material so much. And, And that definitely shines in this. But what did get presented was really cool. And again, if you really want to enjoy this, go back and read the original comics you can get great collected editions of this and it's just one of the biggest moments in comic book history back in 92 i mean it really is and and i've told the story many times i remember when i read that it happened in the newspaper uh and i cried you know i mean granted i was like 11 but uh you know i i I balled my fucking eyes out when it went down. So anyway, do check out the movies. they're enjoyable, but to get the real goods, you got to read the original comic books. So I'm going to wrap it up with that. Um, you know, a good duology, just a lot of missed opportunities for future films. I really wish they took those shots, uh, but they didn't. So that's it for that. Uh, of course, a lot more content to come out throughout the end of January here, as you know, I deliver the goods for you all the time. and uh, February is going to be another month where all kinds of action going to happen. Just you wait and see. I will see all of you on the other side and go see the reign of Superman.